Good worship indeed. All right, you may be seated. Let y'all just want to stand. <laughs> Amen. It's good to see some new faces. Good to see some old faces. <laughs> Amen. Good to see the youth, as always, because they are our future. All right. Amen. In the absence, of course, of my husband in Nigeria, which I so dearly miss, <laughs> um, I come to bring you a word today. And actually, this is the beginning of the series of Inherited Sight. Inherited Sight. And the thing about this series is this, that there's a pretty much a lot of foolishness going on as far as when we talk about giftings or we talk about callings or we talk about anything concerning really the word of God. But um, one thing that has been going pretty much around for a long period of time, but I do see the shift of it kind of transitioning out, is that the gifts are not just for a selected few people. Is that we all have the ability to operate in the gifts of the spirit because it comes from the same spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. So our point here today with the teaching is it's going to be a foundational teaching for um, your birthright, what I call your birthright, which is your inherited site. So without further ado, I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that I ask you, Lord God, to allow you, Father, that your spirit may rest upon me, Father, as I teach, Father, your word. We thank you right now, Father, that even as I speak, Father, I thank you, Father, that, Father, your truth will begin to enlighten the hearts of your people, Father, that skills will begin to fall from their eyes. I thank you, Father, right now, Lord God, hallelujah, that I'm led, Father, by your spirit, and that you will continue, Father, to do a great work in this ministry, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before I start, let me um, just say this because it's kind of heavy on me. Is I was um, talking to my husband this morning, um, Apostle Hardy, and he was sharing with me. I said, you know, kind of how is it over there? You know, what does it look like and everything in Nigeria? And he said, you know what, to be honest with you, it's the most humbling experience ever. He said, because they don't have the things that we have here in America. It's extremely humbling, but it also puts your, it almost like it, it, it structures your sight as far as your priorities is concerned. Um, and I was like, well, what do you mean? So I can get a, a clear vision of what he was talking about. And so he was like, for instance, like, um, the things that are important to them, um, are, are not important to us and vice versa. And he was saying just, you know, for instance, like they, where he is, which is uh, Lagos, Nigeria, he was saying that, um, you know, they don't have a mall. They don't have many stores. He said they might have passed one gas station. <laughs> and he was like, the last time, he was like, and then the last time that I ate, it was on the plane. And he was like, there's just nothing within distance to go get it. Like there's nothing like immediate just to go get it. Like you have to go out to get something. And he was saying just even the streets are just different. (laughs) 
he's like they don't have any stop signs no red lights it's just it's kind of chaotic when they drive because like you can have a bicycle just coming straight in your direction and it's it's like it's almost a head-on collision (laughs) and they just go right around you because there, there's nothing governing the, 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 you know, how they drive and the rules of the road. There's nothing out there like that. And so uh, he was like, but it's humbling. It's a very, very, very humbling experience. And um, I said, so, you know, he's already learning some stuff there. And he's just, that's day one. <laughs> and he said, you know, but when the beauty of being there, he says, is that nothing else matters but God. Nothing else matters. And so those things don't matter to them. What matters to them is God, his presence, his will, um, just doing what his word. And so it just got me to thinking, and that's why it's kind of heavy on me today, um, that I just began to think like, you know, when is it ever going to be that getting kind of choked up? When is it ever going to be that he, he, he's enough? When he is, when is he enough? Um, and it brought me to, this is not even in my message, it's just being led by the spirit. <laughs> it, um, brought me to, you know, the passage of scripture when he talks to the woman at the well. And, you know, she's off, of course, going by natural sight and talking about, you know, her father's and the well and all that other stuff. And, and <laughs> Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about him, the thirsting for him that, you know, that you would never thirst anymore. And then he, when he brought that to me, it's just like, and it just kept resonating in my spirit. Like, when is he going to be enough? All of the counterfeit things that we put our affections into, you know, the cars and, and, and the houses and the clothing and the food. And if are those things important? Yes, those things are important because you know, you gotta, you gotta live and you gotta be in the society and you gotta feed your children. But there is a such thing as priority. What is a priority to you? What has real meaning to you? What do you stand up for? What do you fight for? And so these are the things that kind of was just hitting my heart as he was um, speaking because we do got to get to that place where he is enough. Those and, and it's one of those things of seeking first the kingdom, his righteousness, and then it's like, I don't worry about those things. Those things are just added to me. All those other things, the food, the clothes, the water, the shelter, all of that stuff is added to me. But my priority is do what the Father has called me to do because I didn't make myself. I didn't make myself every blessing that that the father has gave to me whether it was you know protecting me from a car accident to helping me pay my bills or putting food on the table nothing at all have I did of my own it's been given to me because when I go out I'm not taking nothing with me and so it's one of those things that we have to start having priority what is a priority your family should be a priority your health should be a priority because you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. That's what is a priority to you because whatever is a priority to you, just like he says, where your heart, where your heart is, that's where your treasure going to be. So I had to get that out. 
<laughs> I had to get it out. And I do have a few um, prophetic words, but I'll save them towards the end because I want to do something new um, towards the end. Um, what I wanted to do, but after speaking with my husband, Apostle, I'm going to wait until the last lesson of this series to do it. But this particular lesson, I, what I wanted to do at the end was I was going to um, do an impartation service um, through the laying on of hands in order for people to receive their sight. And I'm not talking about natural sight, I'm talking about spiritual sight, <laughs> for people to receive their sight. But um, with him being gone and also I felt also in the spirit as he was talking to me that um, it's not quite uh, ready for that yet. Um, I'm going to do it towards the end. So I'm allowed the teaching to minister to you. Um, and to be honest with you, I think I was talking to uh, Pastor Kirby about this, is that I believe that as I believe, continue to minister to you on this particular topic, is that you already will become activated. And just like with the dream series that I did, because when I started teaching the dream series, everybody's like, oh, my God, all these dreams start coming through and this, this, this and that pretty much activating um the father's ability to speak to them. So I allow the word to do what it do. Then towards the end of the let the series, those that are struggling to actually see, we'll do an um, impartation service for them. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let's get started. Now, the very first thing that I want to kind of put out there is that, like I said before, every, 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 did I say every? <laughs> All right. Every believer, every believer has the ability to see in the spirit. Every single one of you have the ability to see in the spirit. And to be honest with you, some of you are already seeing, but you just don't understand what you're seeing. So that's the first thing I want to put out there. Now, this is no different than, for instance, um, like the Bible says that he gives you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance in order to speak in tongues, which means that if the spirit is giving you the utterance in order to speak in tongues, that means you can speak in tongues on demand. You can speak in tongues on command because of the spirit. So remember, same spirit, just like Paul said, it's the same spirit, same giftings in the same spirit. So moving on, the ability to see or being, you know, as some people coined the phrase of a seer, okay? So the ability to see includes things like dreams, visions, trances, seeing angels, seeing beings, demons, seeing words, colors, whatever the case may be. So it's, it's all inclusive under the umbrella of the prophetic. There is no, actually, there's no, no thing, you know, there's no thing of an office of a seer. It's actually the operating in the office of a prophet, but it's like a specialty, just like if we had doctors and they operated in special things, like you got your orthopedic doctor, you got your foot doctor, the heart doctor. So it's, it's just like that. It falls under the umbrella of the prophetic. Amen. So because of that, we have three levels. And, and I guess my experience that I can share with you, we have three levels of sight 
that literally mirrors the prophetic ministry when we're talking about seeing. So number one, just like the prophetic, we just have those that have the gift to see. Okay. Now these are people that they may see something, um, every now and then, um, and it's just, it's not consistent, but every now and then the father opened their eyes to see something. Okay. That's the gifting. The second thing are those that actually operate in the prophetic culture by the exercising of their gifts that they become really specialists at what they do, but they don't operate in the office. Okay. So we have those and they pretty much see a whole bunch of things. Then we have those that actually operate as a office of the prophet, but they are a seer, which means that they equip the body and they help them to see as well. And they teach them how to do it. Okay. So I am convinced. And then you have to be convinced too, because without faith, it's not going to work. You got to know that. So I am convinced And of course, the father is convinced he wants to see you actually see. But you have to be convinced of that. Okay, because if there's any doubt, if there's any unbelief, it will not work. All right. So many times when people see in the spirit, it's it's something that's unexplainable, but I will try to explain it the best way that I possibly can. Because when we're talking about things of the spirit, there are really no human words that can explain it. So, But we try to take human words to explain spiritual things, but it's extremely hard. So when we talk about seeing in the spirit, a lot of times um, you'll hear the word um, impression. It's like I see an impression, and a lot of people say, well, what does an impression look like? It almost looks like a mold of something, and, and it's, it's, it's a shadow. You don't see the details of what you're looking at. It's just like the Bible says that, for instance, when it says that, you know, we see in a glass dimly, and it's just like that. It's like being in a car, and, and the, the vision, um, the front part of the, the, of the car of the glass, it's like you can see through it just a little bit, you know, when it's fog. You can see through it just a little bit. You can see like a shadow of something. You know what it is because you're familiar with the shape. And that's pretty much how it looks a lot of times when you do see in the spirit. You don't see the details. You know it's there, but you know what it is, though, because you're familiar with it. So, in this particular time, um, you find yourself in this generation, the father most definitely is activating a prophetic people in order for them to rise up. And we have to know that, okay, because it's one of those things that in the last days and these last days, these last season, these these years to come, he is going to need people that have prophetic insight. OK, so he's going to need people that has the ability to see that has prophetic insight, that operating in their giftings, but also operating in, in, in character as well, because we don't want to operate in the giftings and our character is tore up. <laughs> we need both. <laughs> Amen. Because it helps people to receive you better. Now, is your word true what you're saying? You know, of course, because what the Bible says, the gifts and calling come without repentance, which means that you don't have to be this perfect person in order for your gift to work. 
But we do want people to receive for what you have to say. And if your character is tainting you, then people are more, they turn into skeptics. Are like, okay, are you really hearing from God? Because I just heard you cuss that lady out two minutes ago. Because why? Your gifts got to work for you first. <laughs> they work for you. So if the spirit can't tell you to shut up <laughs> and be quiet, then I'm pretty sure it ain't telling you to give a prophetic word to sister so-and-so. <laughs> so we do got to watch our character. So... The reason why the father is wanting a prophetic people to rise up with his character and, and to push his agenda is so that the one that can see can go tell the one that can hear. And then the one that can hear can go tell the one that it can, can discern. And the one that operates in discernment can go talk to the one that works miracles. And so when we do that, <laughs> We operate collectively as a unit, as a body. And that's why he says we need all parts of the body. We need all parts functioning. If one part is not functioning, it says the whole body is off. It's off. So we need to, to, to operate together. We need to grow together, operate together, love together. We're going we gonna to have some, them, some fights together, <laughs> some, some darn right just knock-down, blow-out fights. But guess what? We're still on the same mission. We still got to accomplish the same mission. So having the gift, like I say, to see it's not about you. Okay, that's the next most important thing. Having the gift is not about you. If you're trying to make a name for yourself, he's not going to open your eyes too many times. <laughs> if you're trying to, to, to edify yourself, uplift yourself, make yourself more than what you are, it's not going to work. The gift is not for you, but it works on you first. Okay? So, it's one of those things that you, this is just like what the Bible says, is that you can't see a moat in your brother's eye if you got one in yours first, okay? We're going to use the, the seer gift to see the, the, the darkness that lies within your heart first. <laughs> we're going to use the seer gift in order to see the things that I need to change first. And then you begin to help other people. And to be honest with you, that's one of the things that actually helps really to sharpen your gift. And a lot of people, um, they ask me as, you know, one operating in the office of a prophet, they say, you know, how did, you know, you, you, you know, because with prophecy is also about accuracy too, you know, and it's how do you get your gift um, to keep it sharp? Well, number one, I work on me a lot. (laughs) Because, you know, you don't want your lenses to be tainted. Because if, if, if I don't, if, for instance, if I'm having, even just in natural things, if I'm having low self-esteem problems or I'm having um, um, issues with, you know, um, every time um, I'm, I'm in front of a woman, then I'm, I'm thinking that that woman want my husband and all these other things. If I'm having those type of issues, it's hard for your gift to sharpen because it's about people. The father don't care that she got a little tight mini skirt on. He said to go talk to her. <laughs> you know, he don't care if she's thicker than you. He said he needs you to go talk to her. <laughs> so that's why I say you got to be anchored 
in yourself. You got to know who you are. And also you got to know what the mission is. The mission is not for me to, to pin myself against somebody else or pin myself against, you know, my family members. But the thing is, is that we got work to do. We got work to do. We can't allow the, the small foxes to destroy the work of the kingdom. So we're going to do this little exercise. Now we're going to do this exercise just so you guys can see naturally how this thing works. Okay. Now I remember you probably don't because some of you guys know <laughs> me on the prayer call, but you're going to remember because I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so how the father speaks to me a lot. He give me natural stuff. Then he'll give me spiritual stuff to give me an understanding of how things work. So the reason why we're getting ready to do this exercise is because I want you to understand how this things work spiritually. We're going to do it naturally. So you can get a spiritual understanding because a lot of times people don't understand things because there's nothing to connect it to that. They could say, you know, how people say, you know, Oh, Oh, I get it now. That means they got a connection. They understand what you're talking about. They made a connection in their mind with what you were saying. And then understanding came. And doing when understanding comes, wisdom comes. Because now you can apply what you learn. And that's what wisdom is. So we need wisdom in this situation before we operate in it. Correct? All right. So I want to show you um, a series of pictures. Okay, and what I'm going to do through showing you a a series of pictures, I'm going to show you that you're just naturally speaking, not even spiritually. But if you can naturally do it, you know, you can spiritually do it. I'm going to show you a pictures of optical illusions. Okay, now optical illusions are pictures that have different pictures inside of a picture. But it requires your eyes to adjust in order to see something else is in the picture. Now, in psychology class, we did this a lot. And they they had us do this because they was trying to teach us that things are not as though they appear to be. And that, you know, through, you know, counseling people and seeing people and just through the stuff, the intake and information that we take in, like, it's it's not a good idea to draw a conclusion from something without all the information. That's why, like, for instance, when me and an apostle, um, or I just do marital counseling by myself, or when we do it together, um, even if we just have one spouse in the session, the rule of thumb that I take, I say, okay, that was just one side of the story. Because there's a whole other side to this. <laughs> because sometimes when people come in, it's like, girl, and he did this, and then he did that, and I can't believe he come home at 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and I don't, this is this and that. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He's not helping with the kids and this, this, and that. But part of me is like, oh, that's one side of the flip. That's only one side of the coin. Do not come to a conclusion <laughs> by just what one person said. Then the husband joins the session. <laughs> then he begins to say, well, this was because, you know, she cut off the intimacy. And then, you know, she's talk- we were talking about getting married. And she's the only person I'm supposed to have an intimate- intimacy with. And she cut that off. What I'm supposed to do? The feeling don't ever go away. And then, so I started going out and doing this and doing that. And I was spending up time with my family. So there's a domino effect that takes place, but it's never just one-sided, ever. So that's the reason why I'm doing this. This is one side, but one side is going to help you understand the other side. 
So, naturally speaking, this is the first, the first picture. We call this one, of course, the old woman, young woman. Now, raise your hand if you see the young woman in the picture. The young woman. All right. All right, raise your hand if you see the old woman. Not yet. It takes a little time to adjust. Let your lenses adjust. Uh-uh. It don't matter what you saw first. Just make sure you can, you're able to see both. <laughs> Are you able to see? Who was able to see both? Okay, who's still struggling a little bit? <laughs> okay, we got a lot of people. So who's struggling more with the, the old, seeing the old? Oh, wow. That's a lot. And who's still struggling with the young? Just okay. Okay, so do we have a, a red? Okay, so now the, the part where you, the, the young woman has like a, look like a little choker on, okay? That part right there for people who's struggling, that's actually the mouth. Of the old woman. Did that help you? Okay, it's like she's almost like got her chin down like this. You see it now? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you still struggling? Okay. Le All right. Let's go to picture number. Let's go to. It's okay. Let's go to picture number two. Now this one is maybe a little bit more difficult. So we have like a general. Who sees the general? Okay. And who sees um, the woman holding the baby with? She's kind of talking with some, uh, like a dude with a sombrero on. Yes. <laughs> now, who sees both? Okay, and who's still struggling? <laughs> the second one is the woman. She's kind of holding a baby. She got this long dress on. Yep. And, and she has like a strap over herself and, and the baby's in it. Right, over here. She has like ruffles on her dress. You see it? Okay. And then you see the dude with the sombrero and his beard is like really long. Right. Now, now keep in mind, this is training. So see how your eyes got to adjust to certain things. Now, you ready for picture three? <laughs> All right, picture three. <laughs> All right, there's an old woman and there's an old man. Who, who see the old woman and the old man? Okay. And then who sees the, the, the girl with the thing on her head? Okay. And the dude with the, the yes, strumming. Okay, that was a little bit easier. <laughs> okay, so now you see how this thing works. When we're talking about that, that's how it works naturally, but that's exactly how it works spiritually too. Okay. So, now, in order to understand your birthright, which is sight, the ability to see in the spirit, 
we have to look at where it took place at first. Okay, remember, this is the foundational teaching of your site. Now, we're going to go to Genesis 3, 1 through 7. And I actually call this, since it's the beginning, it's the problem. This is the problem, okay? Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now, keep in mind, this is the problem. And it says, the serpent was clever. More clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, raging all the way from good to evil. And when the woman saw that the tree looked like, looked, looked good, looked like good eating and realized that she would get out of it, she knew she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. Verse seven is where we're coming from. And immediately the two of them did see what's really going on, saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together and makeshift clothes for themselves. Now, the thing about this passage of scripture, a couple things, is that, number one, they did not need to know the knowledge of good and evil. That was the first deception. They didn't did not need to have knowledge of good and evil. They only had knowledge of good, and that's all they needed. They did not need knowledge of evil. First thing. So, in other words, I said that because it translates over to God being our father. Which means that what he did, it was clever, just like they said. To have knowledge of good and evil would put them in the same state. I'm going to slow down so you guys can get this. It would put them in the same state that Satan was in before he fell like lightning from heaven. Verse 5 said, you will be like gods. Now remember, before he fell, what did he say? He said, I will be like God. I would ascend myself above his throne. He said that before he got kicked out. So he used the same tactic for them by telling him, you'll be like gods. But they didn't know who they were because they were already gods. But what he was trying to do was remove the voice of the father because that's the only voice that they knew. And give them an option of good and evil so that now they'll be able to hear his voice. He's always trying to do something counterfeit. That just like the the father has a throne, he wanted a throne. The father have kids, now he want kids. And so that was his way, actually, of gaining access to his own children. By removing the only voice that they knew, which was their father's. Then, verse 7 says, and the eyes of both of them was open. Now, the Hebrew word for open. It's Paki, that's P-A-Q-A-H. I don't have it up there for those that's listening as well. P 
Paki, P-A-Q-A-H. It's the Hebrew word for open. Now, the crazy part about this, the Bible says that their eyes was open. After they ate it, their eyes was open. Now, what does that mean? Paki, open, means to open the eyes, to open the ears, and to open all of the senses. So that is literally what happened. Their spiritual eyes closed. Natural eyes came open. All of the senses for them to operate in the natural realm activated and it kicked on. And then also the voice of a stranger.